Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to the Hoopball Nets Podcast. So the Nets recently just finished their preseason, played four games, went two and two. And uh, today, me and Hunter just want to recap each game, go through who we thought was the best player in each game, well, best Nets player in each game, and at the end, give an overall best player of the preseason. So without further ado, let's get into it. The first game, the they played the Knicks. They lost to the Knicks by five. They shot the ball terribly. They shot 38.9% from the field and 19.5% from downtown. They hit 8 of 41 three-pointers. They forced the Knicks to commit 25 turnovers compared to their 14 and somehow still lost. It's really one of the only games this preseason that they won the turnover battle in and still happened to lose. So what stands out when you look at the box scores is that the Knicks had 11 blocks compared to the Nets' three. When you go back to last year, the Warriors led the NBA in block shots and only averaged 7.5 per game. So the Knicks having 11 is kind of crazy. And uh, only and nine players on the Knicks recorded at least one block, which was insane to me when I looked at the box score. The players, performance-wise, that stood out for the Knicks was Alonzo Trier and Enos Kanter. Trier, he was one of the best players on Arizona last year but there were some concerns because he was inefficient and he couldn't show up in the tournament there were a lot of question marks about whether or not he'd be able to score as well as he could at Arizona in the NBA but so far he's shown that he can be a special player for the Knicks or at least against the Nets he's shown he can be a special player he was 8 for 12 from the field and had 25 points in 25 minutes he shot 8 of 8 from the free throw line. It was just a great game for him off the bench. He's probably the main reason they won other than Cantor, who had a 20-20 game. insane game, 20 and 20. He had 22 points and 20 rebounds on 50% shooting, 7 of 14. In 26 minutes. The, and the Nets only got out-rebounded by 4. And it wasn't on the offensive end like most people might think. They won the offensive rebound battle 16-10, to but lost the defensive rebound battle 39-29. to Enos Cantor is an offensive rebounding monster, but the fact that the Nets had 16, he couldn't really beat that by himself. I'm sure he had a great number of offensive and rebounds compared to the rest of the Knicks roster. Alonzo Trier was literally just cooking them off isolation plays. Like, David Fitzdale has this, like, if you don't know what you're going to do in three seconds, pass it up. But he said that he al- he's allowing Alonzo Trier. He's giving Alonzo Trier, like, maybe a couple extra seconds because he's so good in isolation, and he proved it this game. I think Alonzo Trier is going to crack the rotation. He's going to get minutes off the bench for them this season. Oh, definitely. If you've got someone that can score the way he can, especially when he gets hot, they're definitely going to play him, especially on a Knicks team that doesn't have much talent. The player of the game for the Nets in Game 1 
was Rodion's Karooks, the second round rookie. And really, it was it was either him or Karis LeVert. LeVert had 15 points, two assists, one rebound, four steals. I mean, he shot six of 14, but he still had a pretty good game comparatively to the rest of the roster. Karooks, on the other hand, put up an efficient game in 12 minutes, scoring 13 points on four or six shooting with four rebounds, two assists. Levert also had three turnovers, which is just which was the, just the beginning of his turnover problem this preseason. Karooks also had four steals, which is crazy for the amount of time he had. And the I was when I was watching the game, they weren't like a couple of them were like playing the passing lanes, but a lot of them he just had like active hands. Like someone would he would always be in the like the low post. So like when a big man would back down Jared Allen, he would just poke his hand and steal it from the big man in the post. Like just awareness and stuff like that that's one thing that Fisdale I mean uh Kenny Atkinson has noted about Kirk's that he's long and hit like his main skill is going to be defense and Kirk said himself that he's used to playing the passing lanes like that's his main skill defense so the fact that the, one of the Nets biggest problems is defense and they drafted him in the second round and he's showing he can get steals off of NBA players is something the Nets are going to need. He's looking like a huge steal, to be honest. What, he was round two pick 40? 40. So he's looking like an ex- insane steal for the Nets right now. But moving on to game two, they got their first win of the preseason, beating the Pistons by two in overtime. They shot the ball decently well, 46.3% from the field and 31.4% from downtown. They lost the turnover battle 18-7 to with Karis LeVert having six, Dinwiddie having three, and D'Lo, Ed Davis, and Joe Harris all having two. They uh, gave up 22 offensive rebounds, which was their problem last year, and somehow they still won the rebounding battle 60-55. to Seemingly a trend for the Nets so far has been three-point shooting. They're, they don't shoot the three well. But they attempt so many. And it seems like no one on the team can really shoot it's, threes it's aside really from Joe Harris, Joe Alan Harris, Crabb. Alan Crabb, D'Lo and Dinwiddie. They all shoot threes, but none of them are very efficient. Yeah. I say Joe Harris is the most efficient three-point shooter on the team. This is why they resigned D'Lo him. and Karis LeVert and Dinwiddie all take a lot of contested shots. Joe Harris mainly shoots when he's open. So moving on to the notable performances from this game, on the Pistons, they the Nets actually did a pretty good job on Andre Drummond. They held him to 14 points, 10 rebounds, 4 steals, and 1 block on 6 of 21 shooting in 30 minutes. Uh, Blake Griffin scored 17 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. He made 2 threes on 6 of 14 from the field in 21 minutes, and somehow the Nets got... Lit up by Langston Galloway. 24 points, 4 threes, 9 of 17 shooting in 35 minutes. And then on the net side of the ball, Karis LeVert managed to score 17 points to go along with 9 rebounds and 8 assists on 7 of 14 percent. On 7 of 14 shooting from the field in 34 minutes. He almost got a triple-double. Uh, Jared Allen managed to get 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 blocks on 7 of 12 shooting in 32 minutes. And D'Angelo Russell finished with 25 points, 2 rebounds, 1 assist, 5 threes on 10 for 22 shooting in 31 minutes. So for the player of the game, this game, me and Hunter tried to decide on one person. We always try and pick the same person to avoid any type of arguments and stuff like that. But we couldn't happen to agree. Until we were just re-looking at the box score and realized that Jared Allen was the player of the game. 
Because originally, I thought it was D'Angelo Russell, and he thought it was Karis LeVert. And we were prepared to give this whole spiel about how each of us was right and the other was wrong until we looked at the box score and both decided that Jared Allen should be the player of the game. The reason is Jared Allen, as opposed to other two, is mainly defense. The fact that a backcourt player, Langston Galloway, put up 24 on either D'Lo or Karis LeVert, being that they're starting one and two in the preseason, and Jared Allen held Drummond... The best player on the team to 14 points on 6 of 21 shooting. While also scoring 17 and 9. With and four having blocks. four blocks. It was just an efficient game. He was the most efficient out of all of them. He put up the best game. He's he's really improved from last year. He's going to be a good player this year. There's still times when I watch the Nets where he misses like the easiest shots in the paint. Which is just, it'll come with experience and growth but he has shown potential and should be a good player for the Nets this season um I was gonna say D'Lo because as everyone has probably seen he hit the game winning I guess you could say three in the fourth quarter I think pull up off a screen top of the key so they wouldn't have won without him but I was prepared to argue when he thought D'Lo was player of the game that without Levert's near triple double, and now without Jared Allen's near double double and shut down a Drummond, they wouldn't have even been in the position to win the game. They wouldn't have been close to the position for D'Lo to hit that shot. See, I get that. I really get that. See, Jared Allen, I have no qualms about. But Levert having eight assists and six turnovers really, really doesn't mean anything for me. He had seventeen, nine, eight, and six turnovers. So he. Kinda. And he shot more efficiently than D'Lo, who took okay. 22 shots. Okay, but he scored 25 points. He On made the sh- He shot. made the shot when it mattered. He made the shot that counted. If D'Lo would have never made that shot, Karis Levert's 17-9-8 would mean absolutely nothing. True, but that does not mean he's player of the game. <laughs> he's not that player of the he game. Shot of he's the not game. player of the game. Jared Allen's player of the game. We've already established that. Moving on to game three now. This one was a throwaway. A complete blowout. The Nets get blown out by the Raptors by 27. And the crazy thing is they led 59 to 56 at the half before being outscored 35 to 11 in the third quarter. This game was played in Montreal. (laughs) And the score was not updated on NBA.com and stuff until quite a while after the game. And when the box score was correct. I was surprised to see how great of a game Danny Green had. Danny Green really lit the Nets up. He put up 22 and hit six threes on seven three-point attempts. He was seven of nine from the field overall, 22, four rebounds, two assists, and five steals. We're seeing a common trend here that the Nets get lit up by the most absurd people. They get lit up by Alonzo Trier. It's all guards. Langston Galloway and Danny Green. It's all guards. (laughs) Not Kawhi. Not Drummond. Because their front court. Not Kevin Knox. Their front court is capable of playing defense. Their back court is not. They need to work on it. Lavert and D'Lo need to work on that. This was just a bad game for the Nets in particular because the way they got outscored in the third quarter is not like them. They were the fourth, fourth best offense in the 
NBA in third quarter points last year with 27.4. So for them to get outscored 35 to 11 in the third quarter, right, fresh out of halftime, when they're a team that likes to push the pace, is definitely not like that. And once again, they were 6 of 26 yeah. from three-point range. They shot in- terribly from the field. They just they shot terribly, period. They shot 40.2% from the field and 23.1% from the And they turned the, the ball over a miraculous 33 times. They lost a turnover battle 33 How to 23. How do you turn the ball over 33 times? <laughs> well, D'Lo, Levert, and Karooks combined for 18 of them That's alone. That's still 15 from the rest of the roster, which is bad enough. Like, 33 as a team? That's horrible. We already spoke about Danny Green, but the Nets managed to hold Kawhi to 3 of 11 shooting, but Kawhi, being the dynamic player that he is, also managed to have 7 rebounds, 7 assists, and 4 steals. Uh, this was Jared Allen's best game of the hmm, second best game of Another the Another player of the game for Jared Allen. <laughs> Literally. 24, 24 points. Oh. Four rebounds, an assist, a steal, and a block. On 8 of 12 shooting. He is the most efficient player on the court for them at all times. Even when he even they hit get a blown three. out. He even hit a three. Even when they get blown out, he finds a way to be efficient and put up good numbers. The only other player that had a decent stat line in this game was D'Angelo Russell with 18.7 rebounds and 2 assists on 7 of 17 shooting. It seems like efficiency is a problem for D'Angelo Russell. (laughs) It always has been, probably always will be. Moving on to Game 4, they beat the Knicks by 6. They managed to shoot well, 50.6% from the field and 40.5% from three. They won the rebounding battle 43-34, to but once again lost the turnover battle 16-12. to Notable performances, there wasn't really a lot this game, especially on both sides of the ball. The Knicks, the only person that really stood out was Tim Hardaway Jr. He only had 18 points and one rebound on 50% shooting in 26 minutes. For the Nets... Joe Harris notched 16 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists in 30 minutes. Spencer Dinwiddie had a team-high 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists in 32 minutes. And D'Angelo Russell managed to get 18 points, 4 rebounds, and 8 assists on 50% shooting in 31 minutes. So the player of the game for this game, I'm going to go with D'Angelo Russell. 18 points and 8 assists with 4 rebounds on 6 of 12 12 shooting in 31 minutes. Pretty good, not going to lie. He says efficiency is a problem. He shoots 50%, scores 18 points and 8 assists, and he still doesn't like him. I don't get it. Spencer Dinwiddie came off the bench, played more minutes than D'Angelo Russell. By had, one. And had 19, 5, and 3. Shot 6 of 11 from the field. And he overall had a great game, and he is the reason that they won. Spencer Dinwiddie had more of a positive impact in this game than D'Angelo Russell did. I truly don't believe that's the case. He played with the bench okay. and the starters. Okay, he had one. And he played great. He ha- D'Lo had one less point than Dinwiddie, one less rebound, five more assists, and, and one, one less minute. And one less minute. How did he have a better game? The only difference is assists, but if okay. you watch the game, <laughs> there are guards. the impact He's a point on guard. the game was Dinwiddie. How? How? Dinwiddie had the best. I said he came in with the bench, provided the scoring that the bench needs, while having a stat line of 19-5-3. and he provided with the more for the team than Spencer Dinwiddie. He dished the rock, scored the rock, rebounded the ball, shot efficiently, played 31 minutes. So did minutes. Dinwiddie. But D- they both did. They both did good. But D'Lo did better. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. Efficiency wise, Dinwiddie he was six for eleven, and D'Lo was six for twelve. All right, that's one shot that D'Lo <laughs> oh missed that Dinwiddie did not you take. You can't be serious right now. 
and Dinwiddie scored one more point in the same had, amount of many shots. And had five more re- assists. Okay, because he had the primary ball handling duties. They because were both he's on the, the better court. player and had the better game. They were both on the court at some point. Together. We know that Kenny Hackins is, has a short leash on D'Lo. So if he was, if Bedinwiddie was playing better, he would have had the ball in his hands more. No. Yes. No. There. When D'Lo was in the game at all times, he was the point guard last year. He but did not- when he still had the ball in his hands a lot. Yes, because he would bring the ball up, give it to Dinwiddie, and then he isolation. He runs isolation. I do not he gets see. a screen for a three. Dinwiddie is a dynamic scorer. Dinwiddie's going to be off the next team in two months. I don't want to hear Dinwiddie it. is a dynamic bench scorer. <laughs> he is, and that's fine. He can be that. And he's he just not player the player of the game. Of the game. So no, Jamal Crawford can never be player of the game as Jamal a dynamic Crawford can bench be player scorer. of the game, but if Chris Paul has 20 and 10, then Chris Paul will be player of the game. Not if Jamal Crawford has 21 and it makes <laughs> no. more of an impact. Oh, my if God. If he makes more of an impact off the bench and runs a bad second unit, and brings them points, then he's the reason that they're good. Okay, moving on. See, okay, you just gave up. No, I just can't. We up. can't continue to do this the entire podcast. This will never get anywhere. A couple of fun facts that we've observed after recapping these games is in both losses, the Nets shot below 30% from the three-point line, which we've already discussed. The Nets shoot way more threes than they seem to be able to make. Um, they're only lost. They they only lost the offensive rebound battle once throughout the four games. They tied it once and won it twice, which is good news for the Nets because they were one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the league last year. And hope to address the I issue of free agency. I believe that can be credited to Ed Davis. It can be. He's Ed one of the Davis best offensive rebounders. Is a fantastic offensive rebounder, and that's the reason they got him. And perhaps the most jarring fact is that Karis LeVert totaled 17 turnovers in four games. He averaged 4.2 turnovers, which was the most on the Nets by far, and D'Angelo Russell was second at 2.5. Being that Karis LeVert was the point guard and averaged 4.2, and D'Lo was the off guard and averaged 2.5, I mean, Karis LeVert has an excuse. He was a point guard, but You have no excuse for... Yeah, 4.2 is insane. Players like Westbrook and Harden average like 4.8. They have the ball in their hands an insane amount of time. I know, I know. I'm saying LeVert has to tone it down, but as a whole team, their turnovers are a problem. How do you turn the ball over 33 times in a game? I don't know. That's something they got to work on. And to put into context... Lavert had never averaged more than 2.2 turnovers in his two-year career. So this is if he was to average four turnovers this year, that would be a huge jump for him. Okay, so to end things off, we're going to give you guys who we think are the preseason, the best players of the preseason or who stood, stood out the most. So I'm going to say D'Angelo Russell. He was first in the team in points with 18, third in assists at 3.5. He only played 27.5 minutes. He was sixth in field goal percentage despite taking the most shots on the team. And in my opinion, he really showed what he needed to show in these four games. He was more composed. Of course, he gave up a couple. He shot a couple bad shots, turned the ball over maybe a couple too many times. But overall, I feel like he showed that he's developed. And he showed potential. He he let everyone know that he can be the breakout player that everyone that most people are predicting him to be. Well, it's just simply Jared Allen. It is not D'Angelo Russell. 
So D'Angelo Russell has shown little improvement. He is the same exact player. He's not efficient. He turns the ball over a lot. <laughs> There's absolutely and no And he way. is going to play the same role that he played last year. Short leash player who will make a stupid mistake, get pulled from the game. Okay, clearly and you're not a D'Angelo Russell Harris fan. Harris Lever and Dinwiddie will have the ball in their hands when it matters. Okay, so who, sits who's, the, who's the, the best bench. player on the Nets? Best player on the Nets is the player that... Oh, excuse me. The player who I think was the player of the preseason, Jared Allen. The best player on the Nets is Jared Allen. Okay. Uh, 100%. With Who's the best guard on the Nets? The best guard on the Nets? Probably D'Angelo Russell. Okay. But Karis LeVert's not far behind him. Okay, yeah, the man that averaged 4.2 turnovers in four games. Yeah, yeah, We'll see how the season goes. But mm-hmm. for now, let me talk about Jared Allen, who... Averaged 13.8 points in the preseason with 6.8 rebounds, 0.8 assists, shot 54% from the field. I wonder who was setting Jared Allen up all those times. Hmm. Um, Probably D'Angelo Russell. Probably Karis Lavert, who was the Either point way. guard of the preseason. Either way, he wasn't getting those buckets on his own. Uh, he, he was 50% from three-point range. Okay, how many did he attempt? Two? I believe so. Okay. He was... 65% from the free throw line. Okay, that's not that good. Only averaged 1.8 turnovers. Okay, he didn't have the ball in his hands that much. Yes, but that's still two blocks per game. He is, that is his forte. I, I just don't I just don't see it. I just I don't understand. Efficiency is there. Rebounds As and it points is for are most there. big men. Defense was there. D'Angelo Russell let Langston Galloway put up 24 on his head. And and Jared Allen let Enos Cantor put up 22 and 20 on him. So, hey. As the preseason progressed. Okay, yeah. He, uh-huh. Andre Drummond, he held him to 6 of 21 shooting. Okay. I believe overall, Jared Allen showed consistency and efficiency. I think D'Lo showed that he is the best player on this team by far. How? How? He it, when he takes a in ridiculous that, in amount that Pistons of shots. game in that Pistons game that was that's exactly when he showed when they needed someone to give the ball to and close the game they didn't give it to Karis Levert they didn't give it to Spencer Dinwiddie they didn't give it to Jared Allen they gave it to D'Lo pick and roll top of the key what, pull up three cash because what center do you give it to to close the game okay why didn't they give it to Car- uh, they give it to uh, Demarcus Cousins when he wasn't he wasn't injured. They gave it to they give it to Cat. They give it to Joel Embiid. They give it to a multitude of centers. And what can Cat Mark and, Gasol? What can Cat and Embiid and Gasol all do? Shoot, whose fault is that? That's a, a deficiency in Jared no, Allen's it, game. It's it's not. It is. It's not. It is. In a league where I you mean, need to be able to I shoot mean, the he's three. He hit ball. a three, so he is. <laughs> he's hit one three in the preseason. He took it and he hit it. So <laughs> he hit one three. Bottom yes. line, he can he can shoot. The bottom line is, when the Nets need someone to take a shot, a team's closer is usually their best player, if, is it not? If they are down two points... Is the team's closer usually not their best player? Um, I would say not always, because think about Jamal Crawford. He, what Jamal team Crawford is he the always, closer on? No, but he's always on the court for the because last Because he's shot. a chuck, and he makes chuck shots. But who, he's not their closer. But are there teams who have specific closers? Okay, the Rockets is Harden. The Warriors, KD. You, you, you can say it's Harden. It is Harden. 
how many game-winning shots has Harden made? When the Rockets need a Chris Paul is the one who hit a okay fine a then it's bang shot okay. fading away from deep three in the Western Conference Finals when they need a but shot. either way they're both All Stars. Okay, Jared Allen is not D'Lo's not Jared an Allen to D'Lo is not Harden to Chris Paul. It is. It's not. I mean, neither of them are at that level, and okay, I think but Jared Allen is as close to an All Star game as D'Lo is. That's insane. The fact that the East big men are weak and Jared Allen can average a double double. This Jared Allen's going to average twelve and ten, and he's going to. I make, believe he's he gonna can make... average about fifteen and nine. Okay. Uh, Jared Allen is in for a big year. I'm telling you, he has shown improvement. We're going to be arguing about this all year. Because D'Angelo Russell is getting too much credit for playing inefficiently. He takes a ridiculous amount of shots, turns the ball over. He just has to be better. He's not He's not what they want. They he want a franchise player. He's he not that. being a franchise he, player. He is a closer. If he, he was a franchise the player, the they'd be have. in the playoffs. Say, he's 22 and he just got his first full season on the Nets team was last year. And? Maybe, what if they make the playoffs this year? Then he is, is he a franchise d- player? Depends what Jared Allen if does in that If the Nets make the playoffs this year and D'Lo averages 20, is he a franchise player? What does Jared Allen average? 15 and 9. Then they are both the franchise cornerstones. No, no. it's D'Lo. If D'Lo averages twenty-two, five and five, and Jared Allen averages fifteen and nine, two franchise cornerstones, That's, as Embiid and Simmons are. There's no Embiid. So do you pick one over the other, Embiid or Simmons? I would pick Joel Embiid. Okay, but do you do do they drop one? You don't drop. Okay, the, no. But I'm saying. I'm saying you never drop one. Why would I'm you not, drop I'm not one? Dropping as in like releasing. I'm saying. Do you drop the tag of franchise cornerstone and limit it to one player? But the skill levels of Embiid and Simmons is different from Russell and Jared Allen. But they have the same expectations. In that pool of four players, it goes Embiid, Simmons, Russell. Big gap, Jared Allen, as of right now. As expectations. As of right now, that's what it is. As performance, it goes Embiid, Simmons. Performance based on what? Exactly, Russell. Big gap, no. Allen. Big gap, Russell, Allen. No. Right next but to each other. But what is this based on? At the, what we think they're going to do at the end of the season? By the end of the season, what they did at the end of last season. D'Angelo Russell was the best player on that team at when the end of last season. When he came back from injury, he was horrible. Because he just came back from injury. The whole end of the season. I bet you when Chris Dabbs comes back, he's bad too. Does the that mean Chris Dabbs is bad? The season. He didn't improve at all the more he, he played. Got, he was horrible. He was in a horrible situation. Year. Spencer did when he broke out. He came back. He was on a short leash to begin with. When you come back off an injury that costs you at least 25 games, you're not going to come back averaging 20 off rip. That's just not going to happen. Jared Allen showed at the end of last season. That he can be the next franchise center. And I'm not saying that he, he can't improved be. over the I'm off not season. saying that they can't. I don't want it to sound like I'm saying Jared Allen is trash and that they can't have two franchise cornerstones. I'm just saying as of right now, it's clear as day that D'Angelo Russell is the best player on this team and the franchise cornerstone. No. <laughs> okay. That, that, like, that's it. That, that well, I already proved. We'll no. continue to argue about this dude throughout the entire season, and I can't wait, to be honest. Basketball is back in a couple of days. Thank you guys for listening. We really do appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNets. You can follow us individually at, on Twitter at NajeeAdams underscore N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore Hunter. At Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. 
But yeah, that'll do it for this episode. Thank y'all for listening. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.